Hello and welcome to episode 152 of What Most People Think, and this is a bonus, an emergency episode, no less, after the goings-on at Westminster this week. It made me feel very much like a journalist to say at Westminster this week. Um, Boris is gone. Boris is gone. And at the time, me and Nick Dixon did uh, episode 151. Uh, News was starting to break. Rishi Sunak had gone. Uh, Saj... Got, I'm never going to feel comfortable calling him Saj. Do you know what I mean? He's one of those guys, Saj, that, you know, when he's on Stagdo and he says, yeah, call me Saj, everyone calls me Saj. I go, first up, no, I'm not going to call you that. Secondly, I don't think everyone calls you Saj. Um, but yeah, they, they'd sort of gone and that started the uh, domino effect, which ended up with Boris Johnson uh, resigning. Although there's still some conspiracy theorists out there on the left to go, he hasn't actually resigned. I think he's going to barricade himself in there with a machine gun and loads of cocaine and go, okay, I think I think you've got a bit of Boris derangement syndrome going on. He's just so funny with that lot, isn't it? He's, on the one hand, there are so many legitimate criticisms of Boris Johnson, very real things, but they have to add a bit of fucking derangement VAT on top. Uh, but uh, hey, I could be proved wrong. He could stage some sort of coup, but I don't see it coming. Uh, this show is brought to you by my kind Patreon. So as the Patreon community grows I'm more inclined, you know, I can make an argument for doing these extra shows when big news breaks. And this was agreed and signed off by the board of what most people think. So there's a new Patreon tier. If you go and edit your pledge to 20 quid or above, you are you are a board member. Who doesn't want to be a member of the fucking board, right? Um, so if you fancy that, have a look into it. And they were consulted uh, on this. Um, uh, a few of them are silent partners who wish to just sit there in the Bahamas <laughs> Just creaming in their revenue, but some of the very active partners and they were consulted on this. So some of them will have questions uh, in the second half of the show. And so, you know, if you listen to this for the first time, it's what most people think. I'm not I'm not sitting here going, oh, ding dong, the witch is dead. The evil Boris is gone. And equally, you know, I'm not I'm not thinking that the Boris is the king who's been unfairly slain and all this stuff. Do you know what I think, actually, before we get into this, if we talk about what most people think, is that obviously in the world of news and social media and so on, this has been like a huge, huge deal. Massive. I've got to say, just speaking to people in and about supermarkets, public transport, the level of discussion of this, like a prime minister being defenestrated, has been relatively low. Now, that might be because... um, it was obviously coming for a long time, you know, since Partygate broke. But um, I would say, and, and controversial shout, I remember like being in supermarkets and people talking about the Theresa May thing. We often get this kind of like political amnesia where we think we've arrived at a point that we've never been to before. But with Theresa May, the ongoing stuff with Brexit, the indicative votes, it was a national obsession. And I, I just felt felt like more people spoke about that. It's really odd. He's a big... Boris is a much bigger personality, but I would say that, you know, out in the real world, the discussion of this has, has been less than you would expect. Um, just a quick one before we crack on. Uh, in the uh, episode 151, in my gloating over England beating India at cricket, hammering India, okay, absolutely fucking levering them. Um, I said Rahul Kohli instead of Virat Kohli, and everyone was a bit confused. And the reason is, is there's a stand-up 
uh, called Rahul Kohli. A very good stand-up, and uh, I said his name instead. And, you know, if so people want to go, oh, confusing people, you know, confusing Asian blokes. It just, I was thinking about a stand-up thing before I said it, and so I said Rahul Kohli. Uh, but, yes, I mean, the England cricket team, they, you know, so that's something that's gone well this summer, isn't it? All the, <laughs> the cost of living stuff. I mean, there were some people that made uh, comparisons between how the England cricket team have been playing and how politics has gone. It's all gone a bit basball. Now, if you don't know what basball is, it's an accelerated, fast-paced form of cricket. And maybe life has gone a bit basball. That's a bit fucking philosophical. Right, let's step away from that. New Patreons. Uh, I didn't shout these out in uh, episode 151, so here you go. Dave Tilford. Uh, just sounds like a farmer. Maybe it's tilling the land. Dave Tilford. Dave Tilford's farm. Our cows are so happy... They actually volunteer to be slaughtered. Uh, uh, well, the next guy's called Will Farmer. Will Farmer, you know the name go 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 play. Keir Starmer, Will Farmer, and Keir Starmer in a new drama. Ema uh, a soul, welcome. So Ema, we've got another lady on board. That's always good to see. Ema a soul, like and so there's this thing. So Ema's surname is spelled A S O double L. I'm not going to be that childish because I'm sure that Ema has grown up with all of those jokes, right? I'm going to be better than that. Ema. Ema. Hey, wasn't that, was that the name in uh, the film Wally? Ema. No, Eva. Eva. Well, there you go. So there you go. I've gone more creative. I haven't made a childish joke about your surname. I'm going to call you Ema. Uh, Matt Wynn. Matt Wynn is back. So remember at, at the beginning of the month, when Patreon do the payment thing, they bump people out. So Matt Wynn is back with us. Great to see you back, Matt. Mr. Wynn, um, love your hotel in Vegas. Simon Barwell, again, I think another returner. And Kevin Roche, who again, I think is another returner. Uh, although if you're not, I mean, Roach. <laughs> Kevin, if you're my generation, if your surname's Roach, and you're a working class lad, I bet they had great joy with that when you're all discovering cannabis and skinning up. Pass me the roach, roach. <laughs> Do you remember, with cannabis, I always think it's one of those drugs that the lads that discovered it too early, it was really... Like, it's one of those drugs that I think if people discover in their late teens and early 20s and don't smash it too hard, you know, it's just... Uh, it's, it's not too damaging. But those lads that smoked it at 14, there's something about the cannabinoids went into their blood forever and they were just forever stoned. Forever stoned. I'm going to be forever still. Um, Domain Talking Point, David Domain, our original super patient, sits up there with me on the board, the CFO <laughs> of what most people think. Um, so we're talking about electoral reform, so we're continuing the discussion here. David Domain says, when there was a huge call um, for electoral reform in New Zealand to scrap first past the post, the Kiwis handled it in a cogent way. There was a two-step referendum. Two-step the two-step referendum. Uh, first was simply a question of whether New Zealand should keep first past the post. The answer to that was no, right? Which then triggered a second referendum. Voters were then offered all the feasible voting systems to ascertain which was the most popular. Mixed member proportional won by a clear margin. New Zealand has used it since. We have this system in the UK for Welsh, Scottish and London elections. Yeah, I mean, this was, I think David's picking up on what I said about the Lib Dems and they, you know, their price for an electoral pact with uh, Labour would be a new electoral system. Well, this is alleged, right? But a new electoral system without a referendum. I just think that is just, that's just a liberal dem. Lib dem's gonna lib dem, aren't they? The liberal fuck the peoples. 
<laughs> That's why the liberal. You should never ask the public. Jesus Christ! Remember what happened last time? Uh, okay. Well, yeah. Look, I, I, I think that is. You know, I, I like democracy. If, if, you know, a party runs on that ticket and gets elected on that ticket, let's have a fucking referendum. That's how democracy is supposed to work. Uh, just a quick thank you and a fuck you before we get into the Boris stuff. Thank you to everyone buying tickets for uh, the Edinburgh Fringe. I'm up there the 12th to the 28th of August. I did a preview in Leeds on Wednesday, and this is when it was all kicking off with the news uh, about politics <clears throat> and uh, Boris's uh, time coming to an end. And let's, let's just say I've got some new gear. I have got some, thank God, I've got a new bit to the show. So I guess what I'm saying is if you're at the Fringe and you think, well, I've seen that tour show, it's going to be different. There's going to be new bits. It's going to be a Tropicana with bits, orange juice with bits, with new bits, a new political bits. Because, I, you know, a lot of you that have seen this show would have said that it's probably the least political show I've ever done. But I think with a Tory uh, leadership candidate race happening, uh, the show is going to take on a different flavour for the Edinburgh Fringe. So hopefully see you up there. Just get on uh, Live Nation and look for Jeff Norcott or go on the Underbelly website and look there. Um, the fuck you is, uh, well, it's not too Macy Gray, but literally this week, Nick and I discussed, oh, Macy Gray, talking on Piers Morgan, that she believed that, you know, sex wasn't something you could change and that, that being a woman was something uh, far more sort of intrinsic than uh, just assuming it as a, a gender identity, right? Surprise, surprise, a few days later, she appears on an American show looking like she's been told off by her agent and going, uh, I said a thing and um, I just, uh, you know, and, and uh, being a woman is a vibe. Being, sorry, Macy, being a woman is a vibe. Um, being a woman's a vibe and, and you know, you, everyone just be you want to be and I'm really sorry. I just thought, yeah, I mean, they got to her good, didn't they? They got her good, oh, Macy. She, I mean, this is the problem, right? I think is where, and then she, what she said was the classic sign that she basically had her ass spanked and wasn't capable of dealing with that pressure was she said, I've had a real learning experience. And I think, in most instances, when celebs say I've had a learning experience, what they learn is uh, to shut the fuck up about what they really think. Okay, let's get really into everything that's happened this week with Boris Johnson. So let's let's track back a little bit. Remember, we and me and Nick were talking about. That meeting. So there was a meeting on, was it Wednesday morning? Yeah, there's a cabinet meeting. There was some video of it. And um, a few people did kind of funny edits of it with, Hello, darkness, my old friend. Or Tears for Fear. Some people used the music from the TV show Succession. And um, a lot of people were like, No, that's just a meeting. Why is everyone reading so much into it? Well, it turns out the optics of that meeting were correct. Boris Johnson's colleagues had, broadly speaking, had enough. He made... I mean, how many times have they gone over the top for things that he would eventually row back on? I, you know what I feel sorry for? The original guy, the original cannon fodder, my man, Robert Jenrick. Robert Jenrick, he just reminded me of like, uh, there's that famous First World War photo, isn't there, of uh, there's a trench and there's just one guy going out over the top alone and it, clearly the whistle's blown and this guy's going, onwards! And then, you know, everyone's going, mm, I'm not sure about that, OB. Anyway, you, you tell us um, what the weather's like up there, Jenrick. So, but they all eventually did a generic and um, Rishi, Rishi and Sad, Rishi and Sadge, you might say, yeah, just call me Sadge. Um, they started the Exodus. And it, then politics loves a metaphor. So they were saying, well, what will happen with the Prime Minister is the uh, men in grey suits will arrive at 
number 10. I noticed that there's no like clamour for that to become the women in grey suits because women are like, yeah, like, I'd like a few more colours. Yeah, okay, that was, I was presuming there that women generally have more... Uh, <laughs> More, more more desire to wear different colours. Is that if that's sexist then you know what? Cancel me. That has become a bit of a cliche, isn't it? Just saying cancel me. I mean it, realistically, I'm not gonna get cancelled for saying that women like to wear colourful outfits sometimes. But um they said we they're gonna handle him the grey suits, uh the men in grey suits are gonna hand him a whiskey and a revolver. They love these metaphors. Because actually the fundaments of politics, like the actual I mean the story is always interesting. How things are done is quite boring. So but, you know, so the idea is that he has a slug of whiskey and shoots himself in the face. Um, and a lot of people are saying, well, Boris would uh, drink the whiskey and then shoot them in the face. And that made me smile. And let's just remember that for everything that has happened with Boris Johnson, for some reason, he's a prick, but he does make me smile. Like, he just, <laughs> I don't know what it is. I'm not proud of that, but he taps into something. And maybe it's just the d- don't give a fuck, like, aspect to his personality. I think maybe... There's a part of all of us that just thinks, fucking hell, imagine just living your life like that, you know, rather than worrying about what everyone thinks all the time. But uh, anyway, I I digress. He went on to um, PMQs, uh, which was a hard watch. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know how you stand up and do that. You know, like I do stand-up comedy. People say to me, uh, you know, it's a hard job. I could never do that. PMQs, I just... No, thanks. Right. I, that is such a difficult thing to do. And look, and you look how many like strong people it's turned to absolute fucking jelly. And yet, look, it was an uncomfortable watch because his side behind him clearly weren't behind him. Um, but he, I thought he made a d- decent fist of it. He didn't completely capitulate, which is what I'd have done. I would have just ended up crying, just holding on to the lectern going, mummy. Mummy, um, I'll just fall apart. And Starmer did a good job, of course. You know, a lot of people were saying, well, there's your next prime minister. He looks prime ministerial. I thought people again have got political amnesia because he did that frequently over Partygate because ex-lawyer, you know, cross-examining somebody and taking a high moral... Look, he's good at telling people off, is Keir Starmer. He's good <laughs> He's good at going, well, you, you have a prime minister. No, it's absolute nonsense. You're a bad boy. You're a bad, bad boy, Boris. Bad, Boris. But anyway, I just savour the day that Keir Starmer's going to have to tell us that vanilla fucking geezer is going to have to tell us what he'd do. But anyway, that's for another day. Let's stay focused on um, Boris now. He goes to the liaison committee and um, the gloves are off now. Do you know what I mean? The gloves are off. They know he's going, so they don't have to kind of really show any respect to the office. And um, it was like, you know, like Mussolini being dragged around the fucking town square. But he sort of stood up to it again. He was we, he withstood it. And there was one interesting detail that was lost here. Like, because if you're a Boris loyalist and you're listening to this, and it would be very easy to lose the fact that this was self-inflicted, right? As much as I concede that, you know, in all the criticisms of him, there's always an extra bit for people that dislike him or dislike Brexit. But, you know, he did lie over Partygate, right? He did, you know, he's, he he did lie over the Chris Pincher affair. You know, it comes to light in this liaison committee thing that the way that the Lebvedev thing was handled was not prime ministerial in the slightest. And, and, you know, you can't have a PM that lies continually. You can't have that. And what you can't have is one that keeps getting fucking caught. I mean, Jesus, I'd imagine, I'd imagine that they all lie, but this geezer's got no, no ability. No ability to keep things under his hat. And I, you know, maybe that's because of the people around him. But again, you have to wonder if they're not loyal to him. Why is that? 
Um, and then we, we start getting more uh, resignations and it just gets into fucking some hilarious territory where uh, Nadim Zahawi, who was literally only appointed earlier that day, I have lost confidence in the Prime Minister since, I mean, since I signed the contract on the new job and the promotion and the pay rise. Just something changed, man. Something changed. And I think Zahawi's played a fucking blinder there, isn't he? He must have known the way the wind was blowing, right? He must have gone, look, they can make me Chancellor. Okay, Boris is still going to go anyway, but then they're going to go, do we really want a third different... Conservative Chancellor within the space of about three days. Probably not. And Nadine Doris, of course, as you'd expect, Nadine Doris did not. I mean, like, there's that phrase in there, who's your ride or die, bitch? Very cool. Look, let me you know, like, who the, the woman in your life who will just go there, who fucking Filmer and Louise with you. And, and I don't care what you think about Nadine Doris, right? And I don't care what you think about her politics or how she conducts herself. We all need a Nadine Doris as a friend. Okay, just I'm talking in strictly in terms of loyalty, right? She would have had her fucking shoes off fighting people, <laughs> fighting people outside number 10. You know, like I, I, I got to say, my respect for Nadine Doris went up. She, she's, she has conviction uh, in, in what she says. And then, you know, Boris is still in place now. And people are like, why is he still there? Why is he? And we start hearing Trumpy and this and Trumpy and that. And, you know, this is going to be our January the 6th. People people get... Look, you learn a lot about people when big news breaks. And some people lose their shit. They lose their composure. And they start, they start engaging in silly talk. It was never going to be the January the 6th. Though, I have to say, when I woke up on a Thursday and he was still there, I thought, hmm, this drags on for a while. This isn't good for the country. It's kind of... does start to look a bit like a sort of banana republic. Um, and then, he, then, then we hear on Thursday morning that he's... He's uh, going to resign, you know, he's going to resign. I mean, the way that you hear it is basically people texting Chris Mason at the BBC. <laughs> Very strange, just had a text. It's not as sexy, is it, as like, you know, like we're hearing this on the wires. That was good, wasn't it? Or we've got kind of like, uh, you know, when they send stuff uh, across, you know, you know, those old scenes where you get journalists quickly run into the phones and dialing in. Now it's just literally a notification on the WhatsApp group. Um and so we wait for the speech, right? And the, the, the fear about the speech is that he's going to just tear down the whole establishment, right? Let it, let it all burn. And, and it wasn't really like that. I mean, what was odd was you kind of got the impression of, you know, people saying, it, you know, there are rumours that the Prime Minister has legitimately gone fucking insane. So I didn't know what was going to walk out of number 10 uh, to that famous lectern. I, I thought it was going to be a guy, you know, maybe just in his pants <laughs> with bed head. Do you know what I mean? Just walking out, just with half a bottle of red wine on the go, going, fuck off, oh, you fucking bastard, fuck off, all you prost. And he was just fairly, it was weird. I mean, I don't know if it was psychopathic, but he was fairly phlegmatic about the whole thing. And he was just like, yeah, you know, the wind changes and the herd moves and blah, you know, this is... I mean, the one thing he said about the the herd, I thought, yeah, but you know, I mean, people always talk about herd mentality like it's a bad thing. Sometimes the herd run away from something because they know that it's fucking dangerous, right? As You know, we've, we've all got, we've all characterised herd thinking as a bad thing, but sometimes it comes from a legitimate concern. And then he, he used the phrase, them's the breaks, which I thought I did, I did laugh at. I laughed out loud at that. When them's the breaks, that's going to be the title of his book, isn't it? His best-selling book, them's the breaks. My time being awesome at number ten. And um, the the issue with his speech was, I think, is that he didn't take ownership. 
of how it got to that point, right? So on the one hand, yes, he doesn't absolutely tear down the Conservative Party and, you know, pop off at the Remainer, Ramona press coup and all this stuff, which he might well have done. But equally, it's like, it didn't really address what he'd done, right? What he'd done to hasten his own demise. And that was a problem all along. I mean, I still say this, is that if he'd of, you know, when the Partygate allegations started breaking, mid-December maybe, there was a point where he could have squashed all this, as they say on Love Island. Um, is he could have just come out and said, look, you know, look, full disclosure, there has been a culture here. It looks like I might have broken the rules a couple of times. Beyond that, there have been a lot of um, civil servants that appear to have broken the rules several times. It, it's, you know, it's it's a calamity, and I apologise. I swear to God we wouldn't have been talking about this by February. But he just lied, didn't he? Still thought he could wriggle out of it. The old grease piglet. The old, the old grease piglet gone grease. Piglet gone big. Piglet gone get grease. What most people think. Um, I don't know why I was talking about Eddie Murphy there. Piglet, you know that old grease piglet. Remember that? Goddamn that grease piglet. It'd be wriggling. Remember that? Woo! Yeah, that's right. Uh, I haven't done Eddie Murphy for a while now. Um, So we get on to, you know, he's resigning, but he's going to stay in office. Uh, which is, I think, you know, a constitutional norm, right? Uh, it's two weeks till recess. Um, you know, like, yeah. I mean, it's tricky, isn't it? Because it's not like Theresa May. It wasn't, they didn't go because of a change, a policy issue. He went because he's a fucking liar and um, he kept lying. So there is a difference. But I just think, you know, you've got to be pragmatic and go like, there are people in government that are very strongly loyal to Johnson. So if you try to force him out in ignominy, you're going to create a kind of civil war within the Tory party that's going to really catch fire. You know, is he just, if he's just going to be a caretaker manager, it's probably, people should probably be able to live with that. And you get the, um, you get, you know, you get the people like that want to think he should go for legit reasons. Like John Major wrote a letter and I thought, well, John made a couple of good points there. But I do think that John, the main thing is like, you fucking bastard. Um, like he's still, John's still not over it, is he? <laughs> Uh, you know, the whole Eurosceptic thing. And then you get like people like Alastair Campbell and you get, you get the impression that Alastair Campbell, you know, the only way that he thought that, look, you know, Boris Johnson should leave number 10 now, naked, being whipped by Gary Lineker and Gina Miller, you know, with a whip made out of an EU flag. You go, okay, you're now trying to over-leverage a position here. You've got your outcome. What you want is the moment of ignominy, but actually that is not, that serves no purpose uh, to democracy, that's just a, a grievance that you're nursing, um, and and you know that's been the problem all along, isn't it? That the, trying to work out with the criticism of Boris Johnson, which all the starting point is always coming from a legitimate place, but the scale of it and the the vitriol of it, you've always had to work out what's the VAT that Brexit's putting on top, or what is the VAT of how these journalists already felt about Boris Johnson, because. And this is one of the reasons that I was not a fan of him being leader is that he has enemies. He has histories, seems to create conflicts around him a lot. Um, and that is, you know, he made a lot of people look stupid over over Brexit, really, because they said he'd never be leader and he became leader. They said he'd never get the withdrawal agreement reopened. He got it reopened. He got a deal. Now, whether or not that's a good deal going forward, you certainly have your own opinions on that, but he did get a deal. He won an election, and repeatedly, people that present themselves as smart, you know, the old Will from in between, the old grown-ups in the room, we are the grown-ups in the room, well, they were proved wrong, and, and people never forget being made to look stupid. I mean, look, I'll give you an example. Once, on the 152 bus... Coming back from my school to Mitcham, uh, I got ginched. This is a bit of a gear change. I got ginched. They fucking pulled out my pants, right? 
they pulled out my pants, but because they were old pants, they ripped very easily. And it would be, and this is in front of like loads of girls on the top of the bus, and they were leopard print. It would have to be the fucking day they were leopard print, and they, they set fire to them. <laughs> so, you know, I've never forgotten that Richard fucking Owusu Mensa. Yeah, yeah, I still remember Richard. And look, there'll be plenty of um, speculation about runners and riders. Um, immediately, Rishi had a video out, which was hilarious. This professionally done two and a half minute leadership pitch. It's going, oh, I just happened to have a video. Oh, look, there's a, a little video that I can just put straight out. There you go. And it's, oh, right, that's a, oh, you're not out quick, Rishi, eh? <laughs> Bit of whiz on the old iMovie, are we? But um, this is a decent video. Decent video, you know. I see an article by Kemi Badenoch today. Kemi Badenoch. Good article, right? Good article. Interesting. It's going to be an interesting contest. Ben Wallace. Ben Wallace. Strong. Military. Ben Wallace. Yes. Serves in Northern Ireland. Rumours about certain things that might make him not necessarily the best bet in the short term, but I couldn't possibly comment on those. Um, Penny Morden. Penny Morden. Her versus Angela Rain. I mean, that would be... like. I mean, I say Angela, I still think... They might get rid of Kiss Tom for the next election. Uh, Penny Morden versus Rayner. Try and talk about that at PMQs without talking about hair. Good luck, right? And also, the good, th- the good thing about Penny Morden is if she became Prime Minister, like, no one abroad would have heard of her. And they'll just think by her name, Penny Morden, they'll think, fucking hell, the Brits appointed, like, a Victorian mode of transport to be their Prime Minister. Okay, so we will be going, keep going with the politics shortly as we, uh, some of our board members have put questions, which I uh, will address. Just to remind about the whole Patreon thing, right? If you want to get involved, go to uh, Patreon, look for Jeff Norcott or what most people think. Obviously, the board, there's the board member thing, VIPs. Um, you For that, you get guaranteed questions in the Patreon only, the monthly guaranteed Patreon only episode. Uh, if you send messages, I'll see them. You'll get, for VIP, you'll get front row access if you want it for uh, online gigs if you're doing five pound a month uh, you'll get I'll come to uh, that tier for a few questions for Patreon only if we've got space and also get first dibs on any uh, front row seats for the live gigs you'll also get access to uh, live specials from before exclusive stand-up comment and all of that and uh, if, you, if you're doing the three pound a month thing you'll be able to watch the the online gigs uh, you'll have access just to watch them and uh, yeah there's, there's loads of stuff there so all levels of the patient thing there's, there's ways of getting involved and like I say I, I think now we're at the point I can uh, I've got to run this by the board but uh, I think I can comprehensively rule out ever having advertising on this show. And also, I just want to say, and this is me bigging myself up here, you look back, haven't missed a week, right? All these podcasts, where's my favourite podcast this week? Fucking Norcott, do you know what I mean? Sometimes I'm getting up at 6am, walking the fucking dogs, just so I can just so I can do my biting topical views that sometimes include Eddie Murphy impressions. All right, so I reached out to the board members yesterday for the things that they want covered. And let's go through a few of those. We've got Steve Temple here. Hi, Jeff. Uh, As much as Boris needs to go, I think when you reflect back on his tenure, the Remainers and the left pretty much had it in from from the start. Like I say, I think that they did, but the sad thing is is he offered them up half follies. That was the point. He was bowling absolute pies, and they were able to smoke them to the boundary. Uh, but who next? I can't really think of anyone on the front benches that are pro-Brexit, anti-green agenda, 
uh, against uncontrolled immigration, anti-lockdown. Steve Baker, I think Steve Baker's already pulled out. Uh, There's an interesting interview with Steve Baker. I think he was on Talk TV. And he was just talking about, I think he was challenged on whether or not he could be a caretaker prime minister or prime minister. And he started talking about what he could do and his experience. And he goes, you know, I could seize power. And I was like, whoa, seize power. Like, don't don't say seize, Steve. I bet all his spads were like, Steve, why are you saying seize? Don't say seize, Steve. Um, I, will, I would say Steve Temple. Uh, Steve Temple of Doom's Temple. Uh, is read this article by Kemi Badenoch. I think she might be your person. I'm a bit more fluffy centre, but sounds like Kemi might be your guy. I've got you guy in a gender non-specific way, guys. Um, this is one from James Rogers. Uh, James Rogers says, On Boris, I'm kind of hoping they give it to Big Sam to the end of the season. Well, of course, I mean, everyone wants Big Sam to come in. What he'll do is he'll ju- he'll just sort out the basics. He'll get government playing four four two. He'll get square pegs in square holes. Uh, so the next six to eight weeks are going to be full of show ponies uh, arguing that their ideas are marginally better than the next candidates. Um, and this is James Rogers saying this. He says there's a risk that they measure themselves against the Westminster bubble rather than what people actually want. On that note, what Kemi Badenoch said, look, I think all the woke stuff, the anti-woke stuff is is of interest. In the article by Kemi Badenoch, I think she talks about it too much. I have to say that I know a lot of listeners to to this show will care about this stuff. But when you talk to the wider public about a culture war and... It, that's not the bit that I don't think that's coming high up the list. So I think it needs to be part of a discussion, but I think it it gets inflated, man. I just I don't, I don't think I think if you went to the red wall and started talking about pronouns, they'd be like, what what the fuck are you talking? Yeah, yeah, I am characterising the red wall as like being you know basically stuck in permanent nineteen seventy four. Um, is it James asked, would I be standing? Not on this. I mean, look, when I watched Boris having to stand up at PMQs. I thought, I, I thought, oh, I always wondered what my worst nightmare was, and that was it. You know, having to answer questions, knowing that there's about 300 be- people behind me that were supposed to be on my side, that quite a lot of them fucking hated me. And he says, what would be your top five points in the What Most People Think manifesto? Oh, right, so I'm running representing the What Most People Think party. Um, I mean, that could be a name for, in another life, that could be a name for a party. Um, I'd say, first up, I'd say T. I think tea now, I hate the way that when you order tea, they just bring you out like some hot water, a tea bag and a milk separately. I think that tea, the price of a cup of tea should include parts and labour. All right, I'm, sta- I'm sta- I said it. I said the unsayable in British politics. Also, when it comes to tea, any service station not offering a tea option or petrol station, you know, these ones that have just got Costa machines and no tea option should be fined because it's un-British. All right, there you go. I'm doing the patriotic thing. People like that. Uh, people playing music out of mobiles on their on a train or public transport or anywhere. Okay, they get they get I don't know. Yeah, they get whipped maybe. I'd also deport anybody who says y'all in tweets. It's an American word. If you're British, okay, I don't care what race you are. If you're British, you don't get to say y'all. You just you've seen it in American stuff, and you you instinctively think American stuff is cooler, despite saying that you hate America's influence. So anyone, I would I would run like a GCHQ, just a minesweep of anyone saying "y'all" in tweets, and I'll dispatch very sinister-looking secret police to their houses. With uh, with <laughs> that'd be a weird reason to end up in Rwanda, wouldn't it? 
Okay, um, what else have we got here from the board? We've got uh, Phil Morgan. And so Phil Morgan says, I've just watched BJ's speech three times. I'm still mind blown at the lack of personal responsibility. He talks about it being eccentric to change government. This is a leadership change, not a government change. Very fair point. He talks about all his successes as though he did it personally. COVID recovery, Brexit, leading the West in standing up to Putin. Um, I, I would say this. Yes, of course, that was a group effort. But equally, if all those things had gone badly, I think his enemies would have pinned it very squarely on him. Um Phil goes on to say, there's not one mention of regrets, errors or downright lies. No, I think it was a glaring omission. Either my brain is wired differently or his is because it's like he's skimming over the clouds. Um, yeah, I mean, it is it, what it suggests from um, Boris Johnson is in the same way earlier, I said that Macy Gray appeared saying that she'd had a learning experience. Uh, Boris is never going to have that experience. He just he's just going to he's just going to bluster on you know and maybe you know you do get this in showbiz right in entertainment people often have sycophants around them like you know you know like in a boxing corner people go you're a champ you're a champ or you know you see him in the training before beforehand going you know you fucking yeah don't listen to that shit boss you're the man you, he's got people again Eddie Murphy's coming don't listen boss you're the man all the motherfuckers out there they're just trying to take your shit um and so that's the problem, is he's just going to blunder on. But hopefully, you know, like now, I mean, what would he do? There's going to be a TV show, isn't there? And people would get annoyed about him being rehabilitated. And, and, and they'll sort of act like, you know, like he, he, what he's leaving office for essentially is lies. But they'll act like what he did was launch a chemical attack. Like, how can we rehabilitate this evil man? Go, look, he was a liar. Not, uh, he didn't invade anywhere illegally. I mean, one thing, just going back to Alistair Campbell this week, that's been astonishing. Is it's just Alistair Campbell. I've said this before. His 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 belief that he wasn't him. Like he just he does he does he honestly think that everyone's forgotten that he was Alistair Campbell? Yeah. The greatest trick Alistair Campbell ever played was convincing the world that he never existed. What most people think. So, mate, David Price, Price, he asks, uh, basically, who I want next. Um, Penny Morden seems to be among the hot favourites. Right? What are you getting out of there, David? Word like hot. How dare you point out that uh, you know she's got great hair? <laughs> uh, any thoughts on why this is given that she's been pretty quiet? I mean, the thing is, I think she cuts across quite a lot of different things. You know, she's Brexit, but not you know not super Brexit. -y. She hasn't been out, but she's sort of kept fairly quiet. A lot of people point to the fact that um, she's not as gender critical as many people on the right would like her to be. But again, that's one of those things that I think will be relevant to quite a lot of people, but in terms of the general public and yeah, hey, it's politics. There's every chance she could slightly, she could have a Macy Gray <laughs> moment in reverse. Oh, I've, I've, I've had a learning experience and I just, that thing I said, I don't, I don't think it no more. Uh, this is from Russ Palmer, just finally. Hello, Jeff. I literally cannot wait for your take on all this. No pressure. I'm glad I didn't read this at the beginning. I hope it's delivered for you, Russ. Uh, I think my first overarching personal concern is policy. Where the fuck are labour on taxation, the economy, education, defence? Great questions, Russ. This is going to be the great thing now about having a new leader. If they're... If we actually have a discussion about politics now and policy, this is where we need to be as a democracy. Two years out from a very important election, let's see Keir Starmer drive that debate, you know? And when he does when he does those addresses to camera, let's see if he can get out of that mode of just looking like he's being kept fucking hostage, you know, just shits himself every time he looks at a camera. Oh, 
my captors are treating me well. Um, I, I I'm so so looking forward to watching Keir Starmer try and drive the debate. It'd be, it'd be like watching uh, Alastair Cook trying to play T Twenty. Ah, <laughs> oh, cricket references. Okay, so that is the end of this bonus slash emergency episode about the defenestration. There's another fucking one of those media words that you'd have never known otherwise. So Boris is, I mean, if you believe the conspiracy theorists, he's, he has that his own, you know, he's, just, he's actually going to be part of the leadership. No, he's fucking not. Grow up. So uh, let's be honest, the main thing that this does for us is, you know, fans of politics and fans of, you know, nonsense and showboating and backstabbing, that this is going to be, at least until the autumn, Great content. So listen, I hope you enjoy uh, the rest of your weekend, the early part of next week. Because I'm putting this out on Saturday, next week's podcast is going to come out on Thursday and I should have a very special guest uh, for that one. So thank you to the board members, thank you to the VIPs and all the patrons who enable me to do this podcast uh, in this way. And uh, yeah, enjoy the sunshine. (laughs) 